Black Hypothesis. Hello everyone, this is the Langston Jewels, and with me we have... <laughs> Why are you laughing at my voice for it? I wasn't ready for that, but yeah, this is Nefertiki, sorry about that, I was caught off guard for a second. So you want to redo this or we want to keep that? We could keep it. Okay. That was actually funny. <laughs> Sounds like around the love hour right now. Yeah, like like Lenny Green on 106.7. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> good to see you again. How are you? See, I'm good. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. Yeah, I'm what's here. new? I'm hot. Summertime. It's very hot. Mm-hmm. It was hot girl ni- summer, literally. It was 94 when I left my house to go. Yeah. I almost didn't make it. I swear to God. Really? Just... Your car doesn't have AC? I thought it did. But it doesn't <laughs> have AC for this type of weather. Like, it was... Oh, okay. It was, it, was, it, had, it was like just enough AC for me to like get here and not be like covered in bullets of sweat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't want to leave this building. <laughs> I haven't until left. Tomorrow, until it's I, like nighttime. I've left to put something in the dumpster and I came back and I've been here since. Mm. Yeah, I would have like threw it out tomorrow. Honestly. <laughs> well, tomorrow it's going to be hot too. It's the whole weekend. Are you serious? Yeah. Shit. I think hotter, tomorrow's supposed to be hotter than today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how have you been otherwise? Good. Yeah, everything's good. What about you? Good. I just went to work, and now I'm here. So, what did you learn this week? So, while I was at work and uh, on my lunch break, uh, I saw this Google Doodle, and it was narrating this guy that um, went into space, and he was part of the Apollo 11 mission, because it's the 50th anniversary of this remarkable accomplishment that Americans USA has <laughs> has um has accomplished right when we first was able to put man on the moon. But and did we really accomplish that? But go on. Yeah, I <laughs> I can't did get into that conversation. I've, I've I've heard that before too. But according to this Google Google Doodle and this guy, he did. And do you know who Mike Collins is? No. Okay. Do you know who Buzz Aldrin is? No. Do you know who Neil Armstrong is? Yes. Okay. Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, those are the two astronauts that were that actually landed on the moon and they stepped uh, foot onto the moon. The um, One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. They put the flag down. Um, mm. They planted it on the surface. And there was a third guy named Mike Collins. He, he was on the shuttle, but he stayed on the part that broke off. Mm-hmm. And his um, job was to make sure that the other two were able to get back to the Earth uh, safely. So he kind of just narrated from his perspective um, that morning, that day, and what he had to do, and um, and just his experience for the Apollo 11 mission. So I thought, oh, shit, no, that's, like, really cool, because it's been 50 years, but that's, like, a huge engineering marvel, just to be able, because, like, no one's ever done that in the history of humankind for us to just leave this atmosphere and just be on, on, on a celestial body someplace else. So I just thought, oh, that's really cool that they were able to do that, and they're, like, the face of... Pretty much the the world in how we were able to accomplish that, but no one ever thinks about like. Then I start thinking about like the engineers behind it, right? That's the whole, and that's like four hundred hundreds of people. I think maybe four hundred or more that was behind it. Crazy. Yeah, and there was uh, a bunch. So there was like this document I guess NASA uh, put together, and they interviewed 
probably all the engineers that worked in NASA at the time that was on the Apollo 11 or uh, worked. But uh, I only want to highlight a few engineers that I think are important. Who are the important engineers? The black engineers. So <laughs> let's start with the first one. <laughs> we have William McIver. He's from Brooklyn. Bra, bra, stand up. He went to Brooklyn Tech, my, my high school alma mater. He also Aww. went to City College. Um, he got his doctorate in aerospace. And just to talk about his journey, uh, he was he wanted to work with like the top researchers in the field, but he wasn't didn't get a chance due to his, like his inexperience. But he was encouraged by the first guy that hired him to just pursue his master's, and eventually he would get his doctor. And later on, he did get to research with uh, one of the, those top researchers that he was um, that he was headhunting. The guy's name was Simon Ostrich. And uh, he was able to get into researching aerodynamics, specifically the problem of keeping the nose of missiles that from burning up from re-entry. So these type of missiles are intercontinental missiles. So if you want to shoot something long range, uh, a missile will typically have to kind of like leave the Earth's atmosphere and then come back so it can get that travel distance it needs to hit like probably Russia. I think that's probably what we built it for at the time. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and he worked there, and in 1969, he joined NASA, and he just continued his uh, illustrious career from there. Ow. Uh, we have Richard Ashton, born in Northern Virginia, one of eight kids, uh, close family, uh, humble beginnings. They had paper routes, they worked in grocery stores, but he also had like a curiosity for like the field of science, right? So they lived on a farm, and like in the back of the farm, there's like a creek, or a crick, how they, how they, how they probably stay down there. And uh, he would make, like, airplanes and submarines just using, like, the stuff that was back here. I think the only thing that he had to, ever had to buy was uh, rubber bands. When he was in high school, the guidance counselor encouraged him for to, like, take college prep classes. And he did. And um, even though, like, getting a trade or being a teacher seemed safer, like, like a safer bet, just as a black person in the 60s, uh, he just decided to take these college prep classes and pursue engineering. So, and then he eventually went to Norfolk State. And while he was there, his college physics teacher suggested that he try out for NASA's Langley Research Center. Uh, while he was there, he was assigned to research divisions working on optics and cameras that perceive the energy and density in the atmosphere, along with like meteorites entering the atmosphere as well. So shout out to Mr. Ashton and one more person, Marilyn Good. Um, one of her teachers while she was in school, they encur she encouraged her to think about a career in medicine. Uh, while she was in grad school, her physics professor also saw something in her and offered her a TA job in one of his aerosol physics labs. That kind of helped out for her. That kind of helped her out because her father, he kind of pushed her into like teaching because for the same reason, teaching was a safer bet for black people back then in the 60s. Um, but after she got that TA, she was able to focus on working in the lab and she was getting the money that she can pay for grad school, which was dope. Um, after she got her master's, she got a job at that same Langley Research Center for, Nat for NASA as a data analyst. Um, she would eventually make it to the engineering section of the company where she would finish uh, the rest of her career as one of these illustrious black engineers that opened the, paved the way for us to um, get into that industry. And the name of that document is NASA Engineers and the Age of Apollo. Shout out to those three. Okay, so th there's one more thing that I wanted to say. And um, even though I only covered three people, there may have been a few more, but like we have to remember that this was um, around the civil rights era at this time where um, we still were having very high racial tensions uh, in America and black people were still fighting to just get like the basic rights 
that their white counterparts were getting. Um, now it's 2019 and it's not um, the same in that way, but the field of STEM is taking off in um, very rapidly because due to like technology and just the uh, competitiveness um, in uh, academia and in, in, in the international stage as well. And one common denominator that we that I found in the lives of these three people that I mentioned, uh, they came from humble beginnings, but they also had someone that was able to encourage them and like feed them the idea that they're able to pursue a career in STEM or something that um, their parents probably didn't think was a safe bet because of um, what they thought they knew, right? So I just think that if you're someone that's listening and you're interested in STEM or you're a student or whatever, just make sure that you're able to keep people around you that are able to encourage you, maybe get a mentor or something like that. Because some a lot of a lot of the subjects are like really hard, honestly. I've seen a few people like fail out or not finish school or only because like they weren't they didn't feel like they didn't have that support. And uh, we definitely do need to continue the trend of having that type of representation in these fields of science, technology, engineering, and math. So I just want to uh, just say that um, if you don't have this, if you don't feel like you have the support, try to make an active effort to find that support and surround yourself with friends and family or like a mentor that can help you get through it. Because a lot of people, almost no one gets to where they're going by themselves. So um, we out here, stay in the struggle and. Ow, black engineers. So today, we have a very interesting and exciting topic, and that topic is why do black mamas act alike? No, no, but I don't want people to think we're joking. Like, when you look on Instagram, that's how I realized this because, like, it was like all of the mothers that I know are mainly Caribbean mothers, and I thought it was like a Caribbean thing or an immigrant thing because some African mothers act the same. And then Instagram exposed me to this is like, no, this is like African American. This is like just a black mama thing. Right. Shout so. out to Success Junior. He has brought out, he has brought back many scary flashbacks of my adolescence and young adult. Honestly, my late twenties. Honestly, too. Yes, and he made me realize I was not alone in my struggle. So, thank you. Those flashbacks were real. Yes. But it's so related. Like, we don't, we didn't know each other when we were growing up, but we had the same experience somehow because... What were some things your mom used to do? Um, she would, whenever she was, she still does this actually, not used to, she still does this. When she's angry, she will talk your ear off. Mm. Even when, like, the topic has now changed and you're not (laughs) listening anymore, but she will still nag and talk about it, talk about it. And another thing that she used to do was, um, like, on Saturdays, if, if I was relaxing too much and I wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, cleaning and, you know, really being at it and I was just watching TV, she would come in my room, open my drawers, take out all the clothes in my drawers, put them on the floor, and tell me to fold it. Because she was like, clearly you need something to do. Yo, my sister got that same work, too. Like, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm I felt kind of bad. Not yeah. all the way, but... What about you? Yeah, so like, so my mom would do that to my sister too. If she's like chilling on the phone and it's a Saturday, she's like, it's Saturday, it's time to clean, time to clean, get off the phone. And then she like, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? And hang her, up, hang her up off the phone. And like, at the same time I'm watching TV, like, whatever came out. At the same time I'm watching like Spider-Man or something on that. <laughs> yeah, y'all had it easy, but... And my sister will get dragged into the kitchen. Sometimes we're together watching TV, and she'll still only grab her and then drag her into a the mess. kitchen. This is crazy. So. Uh, also, like on Sunday mornings, when it's time like get up to go to church, 
best believe at eight o'clock every day, the light would come on because sometimes it's still dark, and she's just slamming on the wall. Time to go to bed. Shut up, oh, shut yeah. up. Let me know. Let me know. Let me know. <laughs> the, this banging for that, attention I'm just like yo you could just say my name you don't have to start banging things to get my like I don't understand it's passive I think they live I think they live for the moments like that real I talk. think they do I'll probably end up doing it to my children I think they live like, for why it not? Mm. it's just it's a rite of passage you just have to do it you just have to do it but no there is so what I wanted to discuss or my oh can I say one more thing what okay let's, so let's say like she's yelling at me whatever mm-hmm. and then she would like I, I would only do this when I only started doing this when I was like a little bigger, a little, a little too big. I felt like to be getting hit, right? I guess around that time where you start to get like more confidence and self esteem or whatever. If she like raised her hand to like, you know, hit me or you know, spank me or whatever. If you you don't even have to like be aggressive. You just have to block the hit. You don't need, it, it just block the hit. Don't even make like a second move towards it. If you just block the hit, mm-hmm. you try to fight her. You try yeah. to kill her. She's calling all the uncles and the and the family members, and then they start calling you. Like I heard you try to fight your mom, and no, you just the only do is block the hit, and it's like <laughs> a whole like thing. Mm-hmm. That and like the McDonald's money. Like, do you have McDonald's money? Like, there's a lot of things. I'm oh, just it's like, food at home. That's, yeah. that's the, oh yes, food at home. Always. Even if there wasn't food at home, there was still food at home somehow. Let me ask you, if if there was food at home and you didn't want the food, would she be like, oh, so then go to bed? No, she would just say you're not eating. Like, I didn't really have options. Like, sometimes if she she felt bad, because there's certain foods, like, I really didn't like, mm. and she'd cook it for my dad. If it was one of those kinds of meals, she'd be like, well, I didn't even eat it, so she would make me. But if it's something, like, she know I ate before, she, she wouldn't care, because it's like... She, I've seen you eat this before. You're fine. Nah, my mom did not care, yo. I either ate it or I went to sleep. Do you know how many times I had sleep for dinner? <laughs> Do you know how many times, though? <laughs> well, that's on you. You wanted to eat sleep for dinner, so. Mm. She gave you the option. You didn't take it, so. <laughs> Can't be mad at her. But, but this leads to, like, more of... I wanted to discuss if this was, like, a scientific reasoning behind it. Okay. Like, if this is... Just uh, nature versus nurture, hmm. or if there's something else behind there. Like, are they all linked somehow? Yes, and that is what today's topic is about. Why do they all act the same? So, yeah. Do you want to go into what your hypothesis is? Yes, I do. Yes, my hypothesis is that this um, unifying or common uh, behavior around, like, just being able to make sure that your kids are submissive to you are I think it's like kind of rooted in slavery and the way I think of it is that you know the slave he always had to be obedient to the slave master and the slave now kind of has like no I don't want to say like it, it, she's like grasping for power anywhere she can either like as a mother or a father but the slave still has a feeling of responsibility, obviously, over their kids because that's their kid and that's their offspring, right? Mm-hmm. And if the kid ever acted up in front of the slave master, they would probably get reprimanded and they want to keep that from happening. So I think True. that um, even even though we never, uh, my parents never experienced slavery and we've never experienced slavery, yeah. I think that um, there's like almost like a hereditary, uh, I don't want to say like a fear, but uh, like a hereditary like burden that we need to protect our kids or we can't be as lenient with our kids as other people can be mm-hmm. because there are much harsher repercussions if it seems that they're like rowdy or um, unruly or disrespectful 
things like that. And we see that all the time, like in the news, where common certain people just get very frazzled when 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 a black man or a young black woman they just seem like they're just talking out of turn or they're being very aggressive, even though that's just how they talk or that's just how their demeanor is. So I think it's um it's rooted in I don't want to say fear, but just like the need to to make sure that they're protected and they know how to act, right? So you um, believe it's more of like nature versus nurture. And for those who aren't familiar with that, nature is more so someone's behavior based on the person's genes, so hereditary. And then nurture is more so based on someone's environment. So you believe it's more so the environment, nurture part. Yes. I believe, I, I, I guess I'm copping out because I feel like it's, the nature part, because like 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 I said, going back to the slave master, uh, we've never experienced that. So I feel like some somehow, some way, like it's been passed down, and that's one hundred percent just a hypothesis. Uh, well, that's and part I say of my that. Hypothesis, oh, okay, so okay. And we'll I say that because mine. you know how like um, the way dogs became domesticated, they used to be wolves. That um, one of them had like some sort of mutation, and he, his uh, his his affinity to not his affinity to humans, but he allowed to get like a closer proximity to humans. And as it got closer, I guess one of them eventually like fed the dog or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of like stayed closer to the humans to the point where they got like a really close relationship. So there was some sort of genetic mutation, whether it was caused by, I don't know what it would, probably would have been caused by, but like that's why we have all these like chihuahuas now probably because of, you know, that one dog to say, yo, let me get a little closer to this caveman or whatever that's eating this <laughs> woolly mammoth and see, and see what happens, right? So I feel like m- maybe possibly that's, there's some sort of small, slight change in you know our genetic makeup to well, that's... make us feel like we have to, to raise our kids differently because of like inherent dangers that we may have in uh, in our environment. Yeah, I was gonna say that's my hypothesis. Um, I have one more. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off, but you that's cut funny. me off. First. <laughs> All right, cool. So and then and I think there's like another. This part is nature. This part is nurture. In the fact that um, because we because we feel like oh back to the state master thing that we need to make sure that our kids are are, are safe and that's why we act that way. Um, it's also the, it also kind of defines how good of a parent you are if your kid can display how well behaved he is in public, right? Because let's say because like you know like ah oh, shoot I we probably post this video you know like how one little when when kids that are not black act up in public right yeah and we all yeah, yeah and we all and you don't and you you don't you don't even like I'm not a social person you're not I'm not sure if you're a social person but you they could be two people that I would never talk to not even pay each other any mind but when you see one kid that act out in public like screw you mom and why am I gonna do <laughs> this mom yeah, yeah yeah and all this stuff. You, they will look at each other and they will like lock eyes and they will like give each other like the nod, you know, like <laughs> you know, what I mean? to give each other a smirk. Like they on that same wavelength when yeah. they see like you know disobedience happening like outside other of other races. Parent, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just feel like this, like I feel like this is great shame and your kid is wilding out in the, in the street. So you just gotta like yoke them up real quick, like let them know, let everybody know that mm-hmm. you know you taking care, you taking care of your house and yeah. how your kids are supposed to be. So I think it's. Both of those things. I guess the peer pressure of living up to that standard where, you know, you make you got to make sure your kids are actually, like, in line. And also uh, the other thing that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was reading, I kind of agree with you, because I was reading about cultural psychology. And this is the study of how people are shaped by their culture and how their culture shapes them. So it's two ways, mm. right? So kind of going back to what you're saying about, like, slavery and how that shaped people's behaviors and how that has shaped 
um, how parents act in public with their children, how they want their children to act. So it's kind of similar to that. But also, there is science behind it. So they researchers have seen that mother-daughter bonding is actually stronger for mothers and daughters than it is for like mothers and sons or fathers and sons or daughters and their dads because of something in their brain. Like it's a matrilineal specific um, transmission in your brain that makes them just bond closer. So whenever like whenever mothers and daughters always have that like beef for some reason, like how do you know how they're always like having issues? Mm-hmm. Some of them. It's because mothers and daughters, this is by the Journal of Neuroscience. So the brain regulates the emotion and it's more similar between mothers and daughters than any other, like the fathers and sons and mothers and sons and daughters and fathers. And because of this, that's what regulates their emotions. And so like mothers who had mental health issues, their daughters are more likely to have mental health issues or they're more vulnerable to it because it's just something that's like the emotions are just passed down from mother to daughter. And so going back to like how mamas act alike, it might just be a bonding thing that happens like in the brain, like an emotional thing. Okay. And then also there's another thing on top of that. It's called... It's multi-layered. Yes, it is. Because when you think about slave trade, like what you're saying, how you had to protect your, your youth from being like abused from the slave masters or something happened to them. You have to think about mothers and daughters, like even though like families were ripped apart, there was probably that daughter that went to someone and there was still that mother figure to them. And so they were just learning things as they go and it just kept getting passed down. And just those like emotions just kept getting passed down. But there are, they're called mirror, mirror neurons. Mirror, right. mirror, like mirror, mirror, like you're looking in a mirror. Yeah. Okay. Someone said I can't say mirror, right? So you can't. So. So how <laughs> how do you say it? Mirror. Mirror, mirror, mirror. Oh shit! Hold on. Mirror. <laughs> mirror. Okay. I said that right. You didn't say it like that before. What did I say? You said mirror. <laughs> Whatever. The thing that you, you look at. The thing that you look at yourself when you're getting dressed. Those neurons, Mm -hmm. so this is um, neurons where, like, if someone smiles at you, you automatically smile back. Mirror neurons are cells that are activated when we perform and when we observe someone else performing. And these are the only brain cells that specialize in actions of others and ourselves. So, yeah, so if you're smiling, I'm going to automatically want to smile. It's kind of like when someone else yawns. You're more likely. Is that what that is? Always yawn. It's like because of the mirror neurons. I always yawn. It's never. So almost. you're just always going to not always, but just reflect. No, I always yawn when I see people yawn. Yeah. I could have just woken up after like. <laughs> yeah, you're just reflecting what people are doing. Mm. So it could be clearly just a nature thing of why black mamas act the same. It might just be something from slavery where they want to protect their youth. And they just want to make sure that everything's okay. So it just gets passed down, passed down, passed down. Mm-hmm. Daughters. I feel like the way you explain it is like a nurture thing. Yeah, what I'm yeah. saying. Like, when, like, African, like, West Africans, when they're transported to the slave trade. Yeah. Right? 
they all came from like a certain part of Africa, all those traditions, all those tribes. Oh, okay, 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 okay. And so those traditions got passed down, but it also was part mm. of like your genes because your mirror neurons and the mother-daughter bonding experience that I mentioned before, that's mm. like nature. Okay. And I'm... then but the cultural aspect with cultural psychology is the nurture. So it's kind of both, yeah. if that made sense. So we're both copying out. I think that's what's happening. Yeah. I don't know if you all understood that, but <laughs> if you didn't, just rewind this episode and listen again. This works out because right, you have a brother. Could you say definitively that your bond with your mother is stronger than your brother's bond with your mother? I don't know because my, my brother is a mama's boy, so I'm not, I'm not sure. But mm. I'm very close to my mom. I'm closer to my mom than I am my dad. Okay. But I don't know in terms of my brother. Because, like, he's a mama's boy, so sometimes, like, my... I'm a little biased in that. Or I think he's a mama's boy. He, oh, he's okay. probably going to So you can't not. objectively... No, I can't. ...determine this. No. Okay. I think we should get your sister on the line. Let's call her <laughs> up. And then I think, I think that... Well, my sister's going to be on my side because we're both women with this one guy. Your sister can't objectively say... No. No, we're going to need an outside two. party. Like, we're probably going to need my dad. Okay. Let's get your dad on the line. <laughs> See what he says. Mr. Nefertiki. Okay. Well, we're not going to get him on the line for this. Oh. Yeah, it went to voicemail. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he probably he probably said that. would that be funny, though. If you called him, like... Yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, he probably oh, wouldn't entertain that. <laughs> he wouldn't entertain that at all. But yeah, so that's that's my hypothesis is that... It is a little bit of both more leaning towards the nature part. Mm-hmm. And some people are probably like, oh, this isn't really a hard STEM topic. But I feel like science, social sciences is becoming part of STEM. Because like in the Langston Hughes, in his interview, he was saying that engineers always need to know how people think and how they act when they're designing. So I feel like if you don't have social sciences in the hard STEM topics or subjects you miss out on a large part of why you're doing something okay this is a good talk um i i think i just want to end off with just saying that um yeah we, we talked about like a whole bunch of like really annoying mildly traumatic experiences that uh, <laughs> that are that our moms have uh, inflicted upon us but i definitely i can speak for myself i definitely have way more and more positive uh, memories of my mom uh loving and nurturing and um, supportive in um, ways like that. And um, like the same way that I said that um, black engineers definitely need to be supported. I felt like she supported me in almost every way. Um, and I don't know whether, I don't know who knows whether it's like genetically or, or hereditarily, if that's a word, or just like, just through their environment and their own experiences. Um, they just wanna make sure that, that we're good and we're um, able to succeed and, we're, and be protected and just be ready uh, for the world that, um, is gonna that we're gonna have to eventually have to experience for ourselves when we grow up and we'll be big boys and big girls so um uh i think all black mamas do act alike and i think it's because they all genuinely like care uh for their for their children whether they show it in different ways or not um that's just a matter of how they're able to to express their love i feel like um so i just want to say thanks mom you're the best And that's all I got.
Yeah, um, to piggyback off of that, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. Only a parent that cares. So, that's just to summarize what you just said, but in one sentence. And then, um, so as far as this episode, I also agree that it's a little bit of nature and nurture. It's both, you can't really have one or the other. And to just summarize some of the definitions that we talked about, cultural psychology is the study of how people are shaped and how people shape culture and how culture is shaped by them. And the mother-daughter bonding is about the cells in your, the brain cells, the matrilineal brain cells, matrilineal specific transmission brain cells that affect your emotion. And the mirror neurons are also brain cells that just mimic what people are doing, whether it's something that you performed or someone else is performing. And yeah. Okay, so that's the end of our show. Feel free to reach to hit us up in our DMs. It's Black Hypothesis on our ISRIG account. You can also reach out to us. Send us an email at blackhypothesis at gmail.com if you have any uh, suggestions of other topics that uh, we could probably do. If you're like a scientist or a teacher or you just or you just really kind of want to like be part of the show, you just have like a candid conversation about something, I think that would be cool. I feel like there's a whole field of topics and career uh, career fields that people don't even know that existed. So if you feel like you're kind of on the fringes of um, of a certain field and you just want to like kind of bring exposure to what you do, um, that would be really cool too. Uh, also, you can also just hit us up and give us any constructive criticisms or encouragement for this show. Okay, so this is Black Hypothesis signing out. Langston Jules and Defer Kiki. And I just want to reach all my lovely brothers and sisters. Peace. Love. And STEM. Thank you, Cornelius. Ha <laughs> ha.